Education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. Nelson Mandela. The great aim of education is not knowledge, but action. Herbert Spencer. Learning is not attained by chance. It must be sought for with ardor and diligence. Abigail Adams. You are always a student, never a master. You have to keep moving forward. Conrad Hall. If those statements are accurate, then it's important, like vitally important, that we know who's influencing our systems of education. Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve Shear, and today's conversation dives into higher education, mentorship, family, and an overlooked superpower. My guest today is Willie Jude II. He's the Vice Chancellor of Advancement at the University of Wisconsin Parkside. And more important than any of that, he's a husband, the father of three daughters, a man of conviction, integrity, and incredible depth of character. I love this guy. You will too. So let's get into it. Please enjoy my conversation with Willie Jude II. You are not in higher education or in the, you know, the, I'll say the fundraising industry, advancement may not make a lot of sense. And, and so I often have to explain what I actually do on a day-to-day basis. And so university advancement, my job is to really foster and create a culture of philanthropy on our campus amongst our alumni, amongst our students, our staff, our faculty members, community business leaders throughout the world. I oversee uh, the development efforts, which includes major gifts, uh, individual giving, annual giving, in-kind giving, planned giving, giving from corporations or foundations, but then also working with uh, our alumni and making sure that our alumni are engaged, so alumni engagement, alumni relations. I also oversee marketing and communications, design, and creative services, and then our team serves as liaisons to the UW Parkside National Alumni Association Board, and then also the University of Wisconsin Parkside's Foundation Board as well. So there's never a dull day. It's my job to really raise scholarships, resources, and awareness for our students, for our deserving students here at UW Parkside. And so with that, there's never a dull day. I have the opportunity to collaborate with faculty members, staff members, with athletics, with the arts, with the sciences, with admissions, with community groups, community organizations. So there is never a dull day in the life of a development officer. And I wouldn't want it any other way. I I spoke to a school this morning in Milwaukee. I was speaking speaking to fifth graders at Hopkins Lloyd uh, Community School. And, And I told them, I told them, I wanted to be challenged. I wanted my entire skill set to be challenged. You know, I tried writing your goals down and in a a long time in life. And sometimes you get what you ask for. So you got to be careful what you ask for, because the office of working in higher education on a college campus, specifically in uh, creating a a culture of philanthropy, advancement and alumni relations. My skill set is challenged every single day, but it enables me to be a lifelong learner. 
when we met, I don't even know, the time flies. I don't know if it was a couple weeks ago or if it was two, three, four months ago. I can't remember now. But when when uh, I had a chance to have lunch with you and we were talking about uh, career paths and things like that, you shared that you had a winding road that got you to where you are now. So I like the the origin story kind of thing um, as, as much or even more so than, than seeing where people are right now. So if you wouldn't mind, you know, tell us the story of your career in education and, and how you got to where you are. Well, well, yes, my career in higher education has definitely been the road less traveled. I think that's uh, the quote by Robert Frost, you know, the divergent would, and I took the road less traveled. I know I'm, I'm messing up <laughs> the quote, but I'll paraphrase it. And so in higher education, my, my number one career goal, graduated from high school, was to play in the NFL, just like, like, like many. And, and that dream, it didn't really get there. I don't, I'm still trying to figure out why. I thought I had all the tools, right? Uh, so, so, but education was a constant. And as a son of an educator, where my mother and father, you know, pushed education, right? It was, it was uber important. And it was a non-negotiable in the household. So that was understood. My grades were strong as a student in elementary school, middle school, high school, along with all of my siblings, because that was the standard. Therefore, I went on. I pursued my degree. I uh, started at the University of Minnesota in Twin Cities, and I was on the football team, but I did not play. I think that's really important. <laughs> I had friends who played, but had an opportunity to continue you know, my passion for athletics at the collegiate level. So I went to the University of Minnesota and then actually transferred back to the University of Wisconsin, Oshkosh, back, back to the state of Wisconsin, and a few of my friends transferred from other institutions. And that's where we all became roommates, uh, played together, and just had that college experience. So it was during that time I majored in kinesiology, exercise science, minored in business. I had no idea what I wanted to do with it, but I just thought that the, the human body is fascinating, right? Just, just learning about everything that the human body can do is, is just remarkable. So that kept my interest. It kept my interest throughout my undergraduate degree. So upon graduation, still wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I knew I needed to earn a master's degree. My grandparents did not have that opportunity and I stand on their shoulders. So I, I felt it was my responsibility to at least earn an additional degree. Loris College gave me an opportunity. Loris College in Dubuque, Iowa gave me an opportunity where I was coaching football as a graduate assistant, and then also assisting with strength and conditioning and also light repairs around the field house and doing laundry, whatever they study table, whatever they needed me to do, had that opportunity. But I actually transferred to Washington State University, go Cougs, to Washington State University. And that's what really my life changed from that point. At Washington State, I earned my master's degree. I worked in Recreation, I had the chance to work in Division I, Pac-12, now Pac-12, athletics and strength and conditioning as well. And then that's when I had an opportunity to move into development, into philanthropy in college athletics, right? Fundraising for college athletics. And Jim Sterk, who was the athletics director at the time, really gave me a chance to get into administration 
did not know that that wasn't even a field, right? <laughs> you know, my household, we knew about education, you knew about doctors, you knew about lawyers, right? I didn't know that philanthropy was a field and was a viable field. And I had the opportunity to really excel and learn and grow with some, some, some great mentors during that time. And a few years later, I made a move across the country across the country to North Carolina Central University to serve as the associate athletics director for development. And then also the executive director of the Eagle Club, which is their Eagle Athletics Foundation. And that move came about because I met Dr. Ingrid Wicker McCree at a conference. So there was a, uh, one of my supervisors recommended that I attend a conference, professional development. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And it really takes people to give you insight on things that you would have no idea. And, and Chris Walker thought enough of me to say, you should attend this conference. And honestly, Steve, I didn't have the money to go. It was a conference that you can attend and you can be reimbursed, but our institution didn't have the resources at the time. So I had to take out a loan. I literally had to take out a loan to go to a conference. And that was the best a loan that I've ever taken out in my life because I was able to meet someone, offer me a job in six months, and really kickstarted my career. And so from North Carolina Central University, which is in Durham, North Carolina, so now I've gone from Wisconsin to Iowa to the state of Washington, right? And now I'm in Durham, North Carolina. I met someone who was the vice chancellor at North Carolina Central University at the time, was also the chancellor's right hand, and he offered me the opportunity to go with him to as his for his first presidency at Lincoln University in Jefferson City, Missouri. And so in this role, I was the executive director of philanthropy for the entire school rather than just a department. And then also was the executive director executive director of the Lincoln University Foundation, but also had community relations, government relations, fundraising, alumni relations, worked closely with athletics as well. So it, it was a pretty big job and there was a lot of learning and met some amazing people. And then after that, I worked at Fisk University, which is a, as a HBCU. So three of the institutions that I served were historically black colleges and universities in my time. And Fisk is one of, you know, an historic um, top ranked, you know, private liberal arts institution. And I had a chance to not only, I started in development, but then I was stretched and moved into student affairs and enrollment management. And so now you can see that I've literally worked in student affairs, enrollment management, athletics and development and and it's been a it's been a blessing this this my career path is not is not one that you'll see on many resumes right like in higher education you're usually a student affairs professional or you're in the business side or you're on the academic track and i've just been fortunate to weave in and out which has given me just an amazing perspective there's not much on a college campus that i haven't had a chance or been exposed to. So it gives me the opportunity to build relationships across campus because now I actually understand what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. And so when I'm asking a question or making a suggestion, it's coming from a place of experience and being able to empathize with the work that they do and what they're trying to do on a daily basis. And so I was there for the last four years and the opportunity came to come back home, to come to the University of Wisconsin Parkside. And it's, it's been pretty surreal. I've been recruiting and learning the history of all of these other states, right? Missouri, Tennessee, North Carolina, Washington, and even Iowa. And now to be able to come back home 
and and speak to students from my backyard to be able to really invest in Wisconsin and Southeast Wisconsin and Kenosha and Racine in the counties and Milwaukee uh, and, and give people opportunities to have an education because I know what education can do for me and transform lives. It did it for my family, right? My father was a sharecropper, Steve. He worked on a plantation. My grandparents, they were the third generation on a plantation in, in uh, Mississippi. So they didn't have the opportunities, but they made sure that their children and their grandchildren and great-grandchildren have opportunities for education. So I've never taken it lightly, right? So I, the power of education has been, is, is evident in my family, and I want to be able to help change lives. So higher education has given me the opportunity to grow as a person, to mature as a person, develop, and really figure out what is it that I really want to do? Because when I started this journey a long time ago, I was just trying to serve. I was just trying to step in and whatever someone asked me to do and do it to the best of my ability. It's never been for financial gain. It's never been for the accolades. None of those things. It's always been about the work. And I have a friend, Ron Sanchez, who told me a long time ago when I was in graduate school and I interviewed him for one of my courses. And he's now... He's a head coach, I think, at UNC Charlotte now. But Ron Sanchez, he said, Willie, if you do things for the right reasons, everything will work itself out. And I'm not sure if he quoted someone. I don't know if it was his wisdom speaking, but that is stuck with me. Stay in it. Do it for the right reasons. And I believe in education. I believe in higher education. I believe that education can transform your life because if you transform your life, you help out those around you. Right. And, and Nelson Mandela says that education is the most powerful weapon to change the world. And if we know that, if people have been denied opportunities to obtain an education, then it must be really powerful. And so we want to make sure that it's accessible. Right. That is equitable. That's inclusive in its teaching and that everybody can learn. If you want to learn, you should have the opportunity to learn. And that's my why. That's why I remain in education. That's why I remain. A, a, a champion of education because I still have these strong relationships from students that I've worked with at pretty much every school. And it's great to see them doing well and to know that regardless of my role, that out my relationship had some effect on, you know, who they are and having a positive impact. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's what helps me sleep at night, just knowing that I made a little bit of change. Social media can be positive. Promise. Follow the Impact of Leadership on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you go, for honest, approachable, fun content that's actually applicable to real life. Well, most of it. Sometimes it's just funny stuff. We do not believe in the highlight reel approach. So we have real posts for real people. Search the Impact of Leadership or click the links in the show notes. Now let's get back to Willie. You've mentioned several things here that lead into another question that I had, and you actually touched on it already. And I knew, I knew there was more because every, seriously, everything that I've seen, even, even over that lunch and, and the correspondence that we've had a little bit, everything I've seen or read or heard about you, um, people, you know, you're not even in the room. People talking about you has pointed to a depth of character 
and a strong passion and why, strong why behind the things that you do. And I don't believe people just end up there. And so <clears throat> you touched on it. I, I'd love to move into kind of the deep end of the pool again, because you touched on it. I'd like to sit there for just a little bit and, and talk to us a little bit more about your childhood and the major influences as you grew up. Because you talked about your parents a little bit. I would love to hear about like what your parents were like. Um, you know, were you a leader when you were young and, and, and the major influences in your, in your childhood? Well, well, well yes. Uh, starts with my parents, my mother and my father. I've been fortunate to grow up with both parents that are equally gave lots of love, lots of structure and lots of stability. Um, I, I don't think I really realized how great I had it until I worked uh, during the summertime at a foster care shelter. And because I just, you know, I just thought this and this was in college, right? This, this was in college. I just thought everybody went home like I went home. Right. I had friends. I met a lot of different people, always would bring people over to the house. Uh, but I realized how great I really had it by doing volunteer work and volunteering in the community uh, and seeing how they were continuing to give back. But my parents, my dad is is he's a leader's leader. He is firm. He is consistent. He is loving. He's a protector. He's a, he's a he's a man of faith. And he will give you everything that he has, right? And he's such a hard worker. I think that came from, uh, our, I know it came from our grandparents, my grandparents. And, and my mom is, they're very similar with just their belief in family, belief in education. <laughs> uh, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say I was always a leader. I think I've always been a people person. Uh, I've all, and I have come from a large family. So my dad is the oldest of 15. Whoa. Yes. And my mom is the middle of 10. So I've been used to, right, meeting so many different types of people and being engaged with all these personalities. And it's been great, right, because family moves and my parents exposed me to just being able to travel and see different cultures. And a lot of it was just going to visit family. We would go visit family in Louisiana and Mississippi We've driven out to California. We've driven to Florida uh, and New York and everywhere in between, literally to visit family. But they both really focused on education, on discipline. And, and, and I knew that they loved and cared for me and all of my siblings showed up to all of my events. I was involved in a lot of academic events. I, I played the drums. I was in the band from elementary school, middle school and high school. I, I played for sports in high school. And, and this is with three other siblings and they were always present. One thing I love to credit my mom with is forcing me to read. Forcing me to read. I remember one summer, ooh, probably read about 80 books or so. You know, you can, you, you get, you get to choose what it is, but she would literally make me come inside from playing, come inside so I can read, knowing, she, knowing that I wanted to stay outside and play as much as possible. But she forced me to read. And I still thank her to this day. And, I, and, I, and she had me believing that she read every one of those books, too, because I had to do a verbal report for her about what I read. Right. This is in the summertime. But that meant that she cared. And so they both worked hard. Um, you know, my father was in education. He actually ascended up to deputy superintendent. 
of Milwaukee Public Schools. So from a mentorship standpoint, I've, I've always listened and continue to ask him questions. But just in the house, you know, I have an older brother, Damone. He, he's pretty much been, you know, my protector. I like to say he was the best man in my wedding, right? But he, he's been my protector. He's a few years older, and I've learned so much from him. I have a younger sister, uh, and he's, a, he's in education now with his wife is in education. My sister is an attorney. My youngest brother is working in the corporate sector, right? So we all have different personalities, and we're spaced out enough that we were never in, you know, never in high school together. Never. So we kind of grew up in each phase at the same time. Uh, grew up in the church was a member of Community Baptist Church growing up. And I think that was my other set of, you know, influences. There were influences in school, uh, you know, in, in middle school, some great teachers like Mr. Winterfelt or 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 in, in high school with, uh, you know, Mr. Kendrick or individuals like that. But it was at church where I really learned that I can do anything that I wanted to do by the examples that were there. My Sunday school teacher would always tell me, if you don't know where you're going, you'll end up someplace else. I think he would say that every Brother Rosby, but he was just this fascinating individual. And I shouldn't say was, he is, because uh, he was like a chemical engineer and he played the uh, soprano saxophone. He was a Sunday school teacher. And he actually took me up for my first plane ride. He flies planes. I was like, how do you have time to do all of these things? I guess it would be like the most interesting man in the world before the uh, before the commercials, right? And so just being exposed to that level of leadership, there were principals, there were doctors, there were lawyers, there were activists. There was some of, you know, just seeing what was there was just motivating. And I got a chance to learn how to do, you know, public speaking. You, you get in front of the church and... <laughs> You can say anything and they'll say, that's okay. Go ahead. Right. You, you're all right. You, you never get booed. Right. <laughs> so there was no pressure, but the church also really pushed the value of education in at every single level. And I think that stuck with me. So my parents first, very close with my family on both, on both sides of the family, lots of aunts and uncles, lots of cousins. And just, you know, becoming their cheerleaders and just being genuine and just really loving uh, to have that support system. And that is really extended. And as you get older, you don't realize how much that really matters. And, and so that definitely value all of my family who've been my biggest champions, you know, growing up saying that I can do it. I felt that I can do anything, you know, telling me that I was a scholar, telling me you know, give me that those affirmations that you need in those formative years. But everything, my parents were there and they're still in the same house, but that level of stability still in Milwaukee and, and still being champions for me to this day. It's specific to a couple things we talked around so far. You know, what role has mentorship played in your development as, you know, a man, a husband and a leader? Mentorship has been everything. Because we think we may know a lot of things, but we have so many blind sides, right? As a as a person, as you know, in all of those phases, as a, as a man, uh, as a husband, as a leader, if you haven't done it before, how do you know what to do? And and, and I've I've always started first with my my circle. I always talk about a circle of success, or I think it's, is it Rohn Jim Rohn that talks about you are the average of the five people you spend the most time around. 
Right. I'm not sure. I think it's Roan, but but just being careful about who I'm around. But always, I've been fortunate for people to take me on as mentors. I haven't had to necessarily seek out mentors, which I think has been pretty amazing. I think that's been pretty divine in general. But mentorship is critical for personal development, right? For emotional development, uh, for those who are spiritual, for spiritual development, for physical development, and also for professional development. And there's a lot of research uh, and a lot of stories about the impact of mentorship. Uh, And there's a lot of definitions, but rather than try to quote any specific definition, you know, the mentorship can help you with your career. It can help you with role modeling. It can help you, you know, just try to get through some of those tough points that you, you just don't know because mentors can see something in you that you don't see in yourself. And I am grateful and I can pretty much remember my life by where I was living at the time because I've moved so much you have to compartmentalize it to what school and what was happening in my life. And I can almost play back all of the key moments and key individuals who took a step forward and took me under their wing, even when I didn't even realize that they were doing it. But then being able to keep those relationships, right? Because mentorship is a two-way street. From So in mentoring, it's not only the mentor, the mentee, seeking mentorship, but the mentor is also growing from the relationship with the mentee. So it takes work. And so mentorship is a relationship like any relationship, but both individuals have to be committed to the time that comes in to grow this relationship. It can't be, okay, Steve, I'll meet you for coffee once every six months and that's a mentor. No, because if you don't know me, I'm not going to let you in. And if if I'm not letting you in, how can I, how can you really tell me what I need to know? Because it's hard to accept hard feedback, but mentors are not only supposed to be your champion and pat you on the back, but they need to be there to be able to correct you because you know, it's coming from a place of love. And so everyone needs a mentor and anyone who's made it has someone or usually a group of individuals who they've either patterned themselves after or really asked for advice and that have taken them under their wing, most likely because of character, right? Because of integrity. And then also you might see something in you that those traits have. And so it's hard to necessarily go up and pick someone out to be your mentor. Some of these things can happen, you know, usually happen organically, but there could be ways that, you know, you're pairing individuals individuals up with, you know, people in their field or someone who just may have a similar life story. You know what I mean? There has to be some kind of connection for it to work. But mentorship has played a role in my development at every single phase and continues to play a role because you're never really there. You're never really there. But if you can have one or two people who you know are going to support you unconditionally. That is that's that's a great thing. One thing that my uh, my local I have a local guy that's a, been a mentor for a while, and then another guy who's down in uh, uh, Kentucky that I talk to uh, in early mornings, you know, once a month. And the guy locally here, his name's John. When I've asked him about mentorship and that, he uh, he describes it very very similarly to you, which is funny because we haven't talked about this before. But he says it's a learning relationship, so it's not a it's not a one way street, just like you said. 
Um, but he, he also says that uh, sometimes people overcomplicate it, which is also similar to what you said. He said, it can happen organically. Look around at people that maybe are a step or five steps ahead of you in some field or in some aspect of life. They could have, you might not have kids, uh, you might not be married, but they might be married with kids or they might be successful in whatever field and then meet with them. And, but you have to, as you said, you know, open up and, and be real. Otherwise you're building on a fault, a faulty foundation, a faulty relationship. So, um, that's, that's great insight that you let led there with the mentorship. Uh, I do have a big kind of two part question for you. Um, and it's tied, it's tied to all this stuff, but it, it, it's getting more specific to leadership and, and how you view it. So when you think about leadership, what's your definition of leadership? And then how uh, do you see that being tied, that definition being tied and applied to higher education? I will actually start with like two general definitions of leadership, because we all see it in a, a few different ways. And as I've been trying to read a little bit more about it, and trying to figure out what type of leader am I. Uh, I used to think I was one type, and now I think I'm a different type. You know, just trying to always continue to refine, you know, that definition of leadership. But regardless of the literature that I've reviewed, you know, leadership is a process. We just talked about mentorship. It's, it's going to grow through the connection, and it is a process. Leadership is a process. And Nordhaus, uh, Peter Nordhaus, defines it as, a process where individuals influence influences a group of individuals towards a common goal, right? You have to have somebody to influence to be a leader, <laughs> right? <laughs> towards to achieve a common goal. But then there's another definition that I really like by Todd Bolzinger. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a book, Canoe in the Mountains, uh, leader, Christian Leadership in Uncharted Territory. But he talks about leadership being energizing and energizing the community towards their own transformation to accomplish that same shared goal, right? Because the world is changing and leadership is relational. And so as I, when I look at Nordhaus and Bolzinger, I, I really see leadership as the opportunity to influence positive change and transformation within yourself and those that you're working with. Because we all are growing. And, 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 and I believe in, I used to say I was a servant leader because I'm willing to do the work, roll up my sleeves, lead by example, you know, show up early, leave late, work for the work is done. All of the cliches that you can imagine. But then I also think about when I'm liking it to higher education, it's about transformation, right? Because we are all continuing to grow. And if I am the leader that I think I am, after our relationship, you should have gotten a little bit better because of our relationship. If, if, we're, if you've stayed the exact same, and if I've stayed the exact same, have we really grown or do we really have a relationship? I'll, I'll look at my marriage, right? You know, marriage is, is tough because you have two individuals that were raised in two different places by two different sets of families and have, you know, different thoughts. You may be aligned, but you're still completely different, completely different. And once you choose to be in a relationship, if you're the exact same that you were before <laughs> when you got married, <laughs> that might be a little bit of conflict there because th th there, there has to be some compromise that's happening. Not saying that you lose who you are or 
or you know integrity or do anything like that. But there has to be learning. There has to be uh, compassion shown for yourself and for the other individual involved. And so as I look at leadership and just being the opportunity to work with so many individuals, I really approach leadership from a coaching perspective. Coaches, the job of a coach is to motivate and have a structure and plan for that athlete to be the best athlete that they can. It's not about their system. It's not about, uh, you know, you will never get to a championship if you're not doing the little things. But if you take the time and get to know the people that you are serving, because you you can't serve who you don't know. If you take the time and and really get to know the people that you're serving and learn about their why, then you can craft your leadership is is, is, is situational, is more it's more adaptive leadership because you need to understand what motivates and what drives each, each one of your team members so they can be successful. Because when they're operating in that zone, when they're in that zone and feeling good about coming to work, feeling good about what they're doing, feeling good about the impact that they have on the team, the success takes care of itself because you're pouring into the people. But if you don't, <laughs> the, the opposite happens. If you're, if you're trying to be this top-down approach, if it's only about what you want, then there's never really true success and there's not the buy-in that you would want. So I watch coaches. I like watching leaders in every arena to see what makes them, what makes them strong. And since I've had a chance to work in higher education, in every single, pretty much every area on campus, I've been exposed to some great leaders. And regardless of what their job title uh, may say, they had similar characteristics. They were engaging. They were empathetic. They had high integrity, a strong work ethic. You can tell they genuinely cared, but they also were very competent and knowledgeable in the field, which gave them that other sense of credibility. But they didn't need to tell you how much they knew to show you that they knew what they were doing. And they also didn't lead with fear, did not lead with intimidation as well. So they were the type of individuals that you wanted to work for, right? So when I think of, you know, you mentioned mentors, I look at my mother, I look at my father, uh, I look at a, a David G. Lang, rest in peace, and Joanne Green from Washington State. I look at Dr. Inger Wicker McCree from North Carolina Central, Charlie Nelms, who's been, is a higher education legend, uh, Dr. Kevin Rome, who really transformed my life and perspective on who I can be as a leader. And now with Chancellor Ford, with, with Chancellor Ford, Debbie Ford here, she's an amazing leader and just watching how they pour into their team members, how they're willing to do the work, but how they're willing to also make sure that they provide the guidance for you to be your best. It may not be, it's not always patting you on the back, but it's also giving corrective action so you can shine and, and, and they're not worried about the credit. And, and so with leadership, it, it, it comes down to taking time and getting to know who you serve. If you know who you serve, you have the opportunity to influence them. And if you have the opportunity to influence them with a great structure and strategy and plan, you can accomplish the shared mission because you've built the relationships and each one of them are operating in a position of strength, an asset approach versus a deficit approach. Man, 
I love this stuff. And before I forget, uh, it's almost like it was set up. You don't know this, but um, uh, I've actually, I've had Todd Bolsinger on the podcast twice. Wow. So, so, <laughs> so that, but no, I, it's. Tell, tell oh, him I really enjoyed the book. I, I, I still, I, I keep it and I try to quote it because, you know, showing up so to the mountain with a, showing up to the Rockies with a paddle. Okay. That's the thing. The, okay. Right. Now what? Now what? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I have I, no joke. I'm looking. I just turned my head. I, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't lying. It's on my shelf to my left, right here, the canoeing the mountains. Um, yeah, so that's funny. Uh, but there's a lot of overlap between the two of. I knew it. I knew it, man. At that lunch, I was lit up when we left, and I knew we had to keep talking. <laughs> yes. So, um, so speaking of resources and and other books and things like that, doesn't have to just be books. But I want to talk just a bit, just a real brief minute about resources. Uh, so here's the hypothetical scenario: you're you're finishing breakfast with one of our listeners and they're wanting to, you know, be like you when you, when they grow up, uh, they want to grow professionally and, and personally, uh, they want to see growth in their life. What resources would you point them to? Well, well, first I would, I would say to take a step back and ask yourself, what is it that you really want? I was just talking to a, a former student about this yesterday. Uh, and trying to figure out what is their next step. So I, I would say take a step back and figure out what brings you joy. What energizes you and I, we are energized by people. We're energized by let's let's do it. I, I don't want to talk about it too long. I don't want to sit down and go through, you know, hours and hours of strategic planning. Let's get to the work. But finding out what energizes you. And then when you find out what energizes you, this is one thing that I started doing was, uh, and this came from David G. Lang. He said, Willie, as you're growing as a professional, nobody, don't call people when you just are looking for a job. Don't call people when you just want something. And so he would have me, I would make cold calls all over the country just to different coaches. Introduce myself. I was, you know, I was an intern, a graduate assistant. And just ask them about themselves. Who are you? What are you? What are you doing? How did you get to where you are? I think that is a huge. It's something that people may not do enough, but being able to reach out and you will build your network, but you will gain bits of advice to figure out how do I get there? What is it that I'm trying to do? And and it depends on you know what field you're in, right? And two. For for a development perspective, I would send you to a website like Case, uh, which is a Council for Advancement and Supportive Education, or to uh, the Chronicle of Philanthropy, the Chronicle of Higher Education. So you can see what are the careers that are out there, and what skill sets do you need, right? And so if you know the careers that are out there, and you can see the skill set, you can start to look at what resources. Are you trying, what would you need to do to be ready to be in this position? Is it additional education? Is it certificate training? Uh, you know, what is that need that you need to build yourself up to be ready for that? And then next, you know, there's power in <laughs> on the internet with YouTube and with LinkedIn learning and all of these different, with the Impact of Leadership podcast. You can listen to a lot of leaders and just listen to their stories. And that's what I've spent more time is listening. I know I like to talk. But honestly, I, I enjoy learning about people, uh, individuals, why and their journeys. And that's kind of helped refine who I am and what I want to do. So now that I've built relationships, 
then it's easy for me to reach back out when we're trying to do something. So I don't have a, a specific source to say you should be doing this or this, but you need to first step back and write down what brings you joy. What brings you joy? And then professionally, you can kind of look at what are some of the careers and the different options and then see how you can reach out. Can you connect with them on LinkedIn? Can you connect with them on Instagram? Can you connect with them on Twitter? Whatever those opportunities, people are more willing to talk than you know, especially when you're asking for advice. But but personally, you know, I, I really think you should. I have uh, a devotional. It's A Leader's Heart by John Maxwell. It's a 365 uh, day devotional journal, and I read it. I've been reading it since 2010. <laughs> uh, Dr. Wicker McCree gave it to me as a gift, and she was the one that taught me about empathy. You know, 10 years ago, I understood, but if I'm here at work at three o'clock in the morning, why aren't you at work at three o'clock in the morning? That was kind of my mindset as a, as a developing professional, but it helps center me. Uh, you have to get into a routine that you can really spend that time with yourself and in your own thoughts every day. Because if you're not taking care of yourself, your spiritual health, your emotional health, if you need to get help, if you need to, you know, seek counseling, do it. Because we only have one chance at this life. And, and we all kind of neglect that piece when we're caught up in all of the noise and all of the clutter trying to move forward. But take a step back, set yourself every day, right? Take that time for yourself. And then You'll be able to, you know, create your routine. I don't, I read the devotional uh, Leader's Heart, but there, I'm sure there are a lot of other books out there. And I know I've read quite a few, but that would be my, you know, my, my advice is to step back, find out what brings you joy, reach out to individuals, not necessarily trying to be a mentor, but just to learn, look up different websites in your profession to see what's out there and see what's current, but then also just take time. And make sure that you're in the right space, right? Because that self-awareness is everything. So if you're going to be a leader, if you can't lead yourself, how can you lead a team? You're touching on it is deeper than just a book or a podcast. And I love it because if you don't know why you're doing a thing, if, you, if you're not checking your motives beforehand, then again, you're going to be feeding yourself with the wrong type of fuel. Um, but starting with your why, your passion, your joy, and then building off of that. I love it. That's great advice. And you already talked about mentorship so much that that would be a resource, obviously, that you live out um, that you'd point people to as well. So, um, <clears throat> man, I am so grateful for you. And I want to say this before we close out. I got one last thing for you and just to, and then you can close this out. But I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for your work. And our community is better because of you, Willie. Like, you wow. got to hear that. Like you, Wow. It's it's not just me saying that to you. I'm telling you, people behind your back say great things about what you're doing. And wow. it's a sweet thing to have someone like you in our community who's pouring himself out, living it out, and being an example of the things that we've talked about in this podcast. So I want to say that to you before we close out because, you know, I could say it to you afterwards, but it's 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 something I think a little sweeter when you're not expecting it and it's kind of recording and we can't can't do anything about it now. I mean, <laughs> we, we, get, we can edit it out, but I think we should leave this in because I want you to hear it, man. You're you're humble and and you're you're uh, you are an example of servant leadership, and I love it. And that's why we wanted to have you on here. We were excited to have you on here. So uh, to close us out, man, uh, what encouragement or challenge uh, do you want to leave the listeners with? Well, well, first, I thank you again, Steve. Since we met last fall, 
at, at, at yeah, Inspire, actually, at, yeah, Cobb, Inspire. at Cobb's Inspire Conference. That's right, and I, that's right. I had to make mm-hmm. sure I said your name correctly, right? <laughs> when, when you were introduced and it, you were impressive then and, and you continue to be impressive. And I really appreciate the kind words because, uh, you know, there's a lot happening in our world as an understatement. And, and whenever you can spread a little bit of love and spread some positive energy, that it's infectious. It literally goes so long. So as just to close, I want, first thing I just say is stay positive, right? You know, everything may, there's, there's something positive in every day and, and remember that you are worth it. So who's ever listening to this podcast, you are worth it. You are a star. You are, you beautifully and wonderfully made and you have an authentic gift to give to this world. And, and so uh, I, I would tell you there's a quote, and I don't know who you attribute it to, but it's anyone can give up. It's the easiest thing in the world to do, but to hold it together, even if everyone else would understand if you fail, that's true strength. So I would say my superpower is to show up. My superpower is keep showing up regardless of what's happening because we're all going through something, but we're going to keep showing up because regardless of your circumstance, your character must remain strong. Your integrity must remain strong. And you have to keep showing up. Stay positive. Keep showing up. You are worth it. And my last quote is from uh, uh, the great philosopher, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And he says, he says, before I leave this earth, I'm going to help people have a better future. And that's what I want to do. So I'm encouraging you all to just every day, if you could help someone have a better day, if you could bring joy to someone just a little bit every day, this life is worth it. You lead it with yourself and you'll continue to be a leader, you know, in every field and in every facet of your life. And remember, stay positive. You are worth it. Keep showing up and you are loved. Man, that's a great way to end. Thank you again. And more importantly, thank you for living this stuff out, man. It means a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you for what you're doing and continue to do it. And I can't wait to work with you even more. All right. So takeaways and action items. First of all, the takeaways. If you don't know where you're going, you'll end up somewhere else. That is true. Second takeaway. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Third takeaway. Education is a very powerful weapon for positive change in the world. I am so grateful for Willie Jude and people like him who are passionately investing in the future of education, specifically in Southeastern Wisconsin, like Willie is in higher education. Action items, get a mentor, take a step. You won't regret it. Uh, We have blogs and podcasts on mentorship, specifically on how to get a mentor, uh, what a mentorship relationship actually looks like, kind of breaking that down. Just check the show notes. I'll put a couple things down there. Second action item. It's simple, but it doesn't mean it's easy. Show up. All right, so consider giving us a review in whatever platform you're using right now. On the most very basic level, it helps us know that what we're doing matters. Now, we're not shooting for fame or fortune. We're aiming at adding value to leaders, and reviews are a great way to give us encouragement in that regard. It also helps spread the message to other folks that need content like this. And if you thought of someone during this episode, please 
send this episode to them with a note of encouragement. Just hit those three dots in whatever platform you're using. You find how to share it and you can put it in a text message and send it right over to them. We have over 100 episodes that will aid in your growth as a leader. Follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're using. You'll have access to all of them. As a reminder, do not forget to check the show notes. Resources and connections abound. Now, I can't wait to be with you again soon, but until then, from all of us at the Impact of Leadership, thank you so much for listening.